Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, we are back. <laughs> Man, I was running around here like a chicken with my head cut off, Kenny. I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, I see. So, you know, I had to make yeah. that call. I had to make that yeah. stop. Hey, uh, We're warming up, Brad. Any... We're at 19 degrees. Now, this morning, uh, Duluth got down to 13 degrees. Uh, Superior at the Bong Airport got, no, got down to 13. Sky Harbor, the warm spot this morning at 21. Hibbing got down to 8 above this morning. You know, uh, I know we got our uh, we got our loggers in the uh, in the studio. Do we not? We sure do. We have Pete Wood all and right. Pete. Uh, good morning. I'll have you introduce your guests. We have guests as Please. well. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Brad. How you been? Hi, I've been good, Pete. How good, about you? Good. Uh, a little bit feeling cooler. Better? A little. Bit, yep. Feeling a lot better. A lot better. Hundred percent. Good. A lot good. cooler up here than down there where you're suntanning every day. But anyway, <laughs> a little poke. Today, I got a couple of guys from the feds. We always call them, from our logging community, we call them the feds, but actually, they're from the U.S. Forest Service, and we have two of them here. One is they're a forester. the good guys. Yep, we got the good guys here. Mark, who is a forester, and Clark, who is more of a business agent style at the Forest Service, and I'd like to have them introduce themselves a little bit and who they are and what they kind of do and a little bit of their history so the listeners can get a little bit of background on them. Okay, who do you want to start with? Mark? Sure, I'll go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Mark Akison. I'm the timber contracting officer for the Superior National Forest and also the uh, timber program manager. A uh, little bit about me, I um, uh, grew up in Proctor, uh, right north of Duluth here, up on the hill. Uh, attended uh, Vermilion Community College in Ely, Minnesota. Um, right after I graduated there, I um, uh, went to work for the U.S. Forest Service out of Ely on the Cushway Ranger District, and that was back in 1981, or 1980, excuse me. And I worked there ever since until about uh, 2013 when I came down to Duluth here, where uh, our headquarters office of the Superior National Forest is in uh, in that current position. So uh, I've been in forestry and resource management, veg management, pretty much my, all my career, and, uh, and uh, it's a real rewarding job. Got a great Great group of folks we work with, and uh, and uh, I'll hand it off to you, Clark. All right. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Clark Bartelt, and uh, I'm a contracting officer at the Superior National Forest. And uh, a little background on myself, I grew up around two harbors, and uh, as a teenager, worked in the timber industry, logging. And uh, then after high school, went into the uh, military, was there just about nine years active duty, uh, I was a contracting officer in the military, and then um, got out, and I got with the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and I worked there for about 16 years, and uh, an opportunity came up to be here in Duluth with the uh, Forest Service, and I've been here since uh, 2014, and I uh, get to do all kinds of, basically the business arm of the forest, you know, writing contracts for planting trees and uh, preparing sites for planting uh campground maintenance, all kinds of uh, different operations that go on in the forest. And uh, our office actually takes care of the uh, Chippewa National Forest, too, and the other uh, national forests here in Minnesota. Okay, so so Mark, or uh, I'm sorry, Clark, when you were saying uh, you write contracts, so if a logger comes to you and wants to uh, log a certain area, you write, and, and it's state land, do you write the contract and then make sure that... Uh, you know, because uh, let's face it, when I've talked to Pete in the past, one of the things I always want to express is the fact that logging uh, forestry is a renewable resource. In other words, once an area is logged, as you said, then you have a contract that goes back in and replenishes or replants the trees that are logged out of there. Uh, well, that's right. Now, Mark Akison here, he is the timber um contracting officer so he handles the sale of the timber and okay. one of the things we're going to talk about today is something in a sense new it's a, a stewardship contracting where we'll be able to take those timber receipts the money that would we we would receive from that logger and then immediately reinvest that into the resource to prepare the site for planting or repair the road that accesses the site and those sort of things Okay. So is this a relatively new program, or is this something that's been around a while? 
it's been around for um, about 10 years in total. It's fairly new here on the Superior. We had um, a temporary authority to do this, and, and we did. We have three contracts where we did some kind of a, you know, small areas, and you know we did have some great success with it. And so now in the last year, we've been given permanent authority to do this stewardship type contracting, and so now we want to take it and run with it forest wide, and we want to you know get those timber dollars and, and have them immediately reinvested into the resource here in northern Minnesota. Okay, so it sounds like it's kind of a set up as a program to regenerate the forest as it is uh, harvested and as it's used, uh, that there's a, a way to take those revenue dollars that come in from the logging effort and reuse them. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we could well, use Peter, them not only on uh, just reforestation work. Uh, you know, we're mandated by Congress once we do log off a place to ensure it's reforestation, but we could take those dollars uh, that are generated through those timber receipts and also use them on uh, the forest infrastructure, roads, uh, um, hazardous fuels reduction work, um, other types of work also. It's not just exclusively on uh, timber. Okay. So, so Mark, when uh, when someone logs, now I've talked to Pete in the past, and when he logs an area, th- there are state requirements that you leave a certain amount of the wood. You know, people always refer to an area. They say, oh, somebody's come through and clear-cut that area. But normally, even in an area where a, a section may have been logged off, you'll see some trees left behind, and part of that is for natural regeneration isn't that right pete and then or peter and then uh and then some of it actually is where you go back in and and plant trees yourself and reforest areas correct yes there's different areas different soils and there's different regulations for different governments but basically the forest is the same across the state in a way um what what re- I want to just back up a hair what really triggered this is back in august i remember a caller calling in and asking how to get uh, like the ash uh, regulations to change as far as you know quarantines and that, and I started thinking about about the federal government, and that's when we started talking with Mark and and, and Clark on on stuff. And um, the government, remember, I said the government wheels turn slow, but they still turn. Yeah. And so yeah. what Mark <laughs> they do, but I, I learned from a guy probably two three months ago, and he told me that it it's a good thing. And I and when he said that, I kind of took a step back, you know. When somebody tells you that, it's a good thing that government wheels turn slow. But after he didn't say anything more than that, and then after I thought about thought, I thought he's exactly right. Because think on it: if a ship is really big and it turns too fast, bad goes faster than good. Okay. And so if things are going good, you have to take time for people to absorb and learn that it's a good thing. And then if things go bad, you have to have the same thing. They have to have time to absorb that things are going bad. It takes time to correct this. But what the the feds are doing is actually started by the Bush administration, and it was continued on by Obama, and now it's being pushed more by the Trump administration. So the listeners, if you think it's just one way, it isn't. These wheels turn slow, but they do turn. And so what Mark and Clark are here talking about are some very good things that has taken time to get to this point. But as it grows more and more, and everybody learns more and more, it continues better. For the so, government, for the soil, and for the timber and everything as a whole. But they do turn. Yeah. So, so uh, Peter, Mark, and, and Clark, so what you're saying is that this is a... I, I can't hear anything right now. Here? You well, got if your, you can hear me, it's kind of really scratchy. But anyway, it's it's... More of Sound Off is on the way. Coming up at 11, it's your daily fix of Rush. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. Top of the key, Gorky. Out to Tyus. Left angle, three is good. Tyus Jones, three for three from beyond the arc. Your twin ports home for the Wolves. Here come the Wolves on the attack. Teague probes. There's nothing there. He'll dribble to safety out by midcourt. Now Towns open for the three. He hit it. His second triple of the night. It's the Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans. Wednesday evening, pregame starting at 630, 610, and FM 103.9. KDAL. 
Tis the season for entertaining, and TJ's Country Corner has the tastiest meats around. Kiska, Silta, and many types of potato sausage, including Swedish, Michigan, and wild rice. Plus the tastiest homemade wieners. For over 40 years, TJ's in Mattawa has been making the best sausages around with no fillers. At TJ's, they say our worst is best. You better believe it. TJ's Country Corner, online at ourworstisbest.com, or stop in seven days a week just off I-35 in Mattawa. TJ's Country Corner. What's the best gift Senator Ron Johnson can give Wisconsinites this holiday season? The gift of tax relief. Each year, it gets harder for Wisconsin small businesses and families to make ends meet, and our outdated tax code is partially to blame. But help is on the way with the tax reform bill that is currently being debated in the U.S. Senate. According to a recent nonpartisan study, the Senate tax bill could increase take-home pay for middle-class families in Wisconsin by more than $2,000. That's right. The tax reform bill could mean an extra $2,632 in the pockets of Wisconsin families. But first, it has to become law. So call Senator Ron Johnson at 920-230-7250. Thank him for being a champion of middle-class families and ask him to support the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. The time for reform is now. Paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Your home for Rush. If I started complaining about things that bother me, the reaction would be, really? Grow up. He's got no complaints. We all have complaints, except I can't share mine anymore. At least none that you'll hear. Well, more properly stated, I don't. I'm not a complainer anyway. Although there are a couple things right now I would really love to unload on, but I can't. Rush Limbaugh, every day beginning at 11 on the Talk of the North, 710 and FM 98.1 WGSM. WDSM AM 710 and FM 98.1. WDSM time 918. I don't know what happened there, Brad. The Gremlins got me. Me neither. Uh, I think so. We had the little Gremlins, you know, that that, uh, yeah. that movie, The Gremlins. They were in the system. But we are back, and we happen to have our good friend Matt Boo from Duluth Stove and Fireplace. He likes to come in during this segment because it's just a natural tie-in. Uh, uh, Matt... Uh, it's that time of the year that uh, people are thinking, boy, I'd love to find a way to warm my home up a little more uh, quickly in the morning when it, when there's that cold air uh, that, that's been out there all night long. You've got the systems to make that happen. Sure do. A little, little frost on the pumpkin this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, that's what... Is, uh, fired up. Yeah, Kenny was telling me that. Well, you know, and one of the interesting things that we have talked about, you and I, in the past is that with uh, with new home construction, a lot of the new homes are putting in, you know, they're not doing basements so much in the Northland like they used to do because of water leakage problems, things like that. But they're putting in-ground heat systems. but and, the, and those are very good, and they're very economical, except... In the early morning, when you want that blast of uh, warmth, it takes a while to heat up an in-floor system. So that's where you really want to have, especially on new construction, you want to make sure you've got fireplace, uh, either a wood-burning fireplace, a a uh, gas-burning fireplace, or corn, pellet, so many different options to choose from. Absolutely, and the and you're right. Those slabs they take a hard time or a long time to warm up, and, and also cool down. So you know if you've got a, a warm day coming up, and and you don't want to turn that slab on. And the interesting yeah. thing with with the builders now and, and architects is that the and this has been going on for or ten years or so, but they've really really calculated in the hearth appliance as part of the heating system of the house. So okay. if you're in a in a slab situation that you're talking about, or in a dual fuel situation, they you know they're they're factoring in that that high efficiency wood burner or that high efficiency gas burner as part of the system of the house, and it kind of makes it kind of a cold appliance, so to speak. But it you know but it's a really nice way to add uh, uh, some nice decor to your house and still augment the heating system. Well, and that is part of the uh, part of the experience that you offer at Duluth Stove and Fireplace. Yet, yes, the heating aspect is one thing, but it's also great to come home at night. It's dark in the winter months in Duluth area, in Duluth Superior, anywhere up on the range. It's dark. It's cold. It can be 
a, a kind of a downtime, but if you walk in the house, you sit in the living room, go into the bedroom, you're going to read a book for a while, you turn on your gas insert or you turn up your wood fireplace or your corn pellet feeding fireplace, it just adds another dimension to the wonderful glow that is there in the home. Well, you bet. And, you know, couples come in and... A lot of times they know they want to do something, but they're not sure what. You know, uh, do we want wood? Do we want gas? Um, our quick answer is, well, one of each is always the best. But uh, what we do is start asking questions and find out, you know, what's your usage? You know, how much time are you going to dedicate? You know, wood, wood takes a little right. bit more time uh, to use as a heat source. And so, you know, that happens where we do a wood fireplace maybe in the basement and then a gas one up in the formal dining room and even electric in the bedroom so you can just fit those where they need to be fit boy that is uh, that that sounds really good i never thought about that you could have a wood-burning fireplace in the living room where you get the whole family together but then when you go to the bedroom at night you still want a little warmth and you want a little uh, attitude a little atmosphere you turn on that gas insert in the bedroom and it's going to give you a whole nother glow about it so hey uh I got to cut this a little bit short. I want to get back to my guests, Matt, but but let's talk a little bit. You know, uh, Duluth Stove and Fireplace has, when you walk in the showroom, you're going to see two whole corridors of examples of of the burning units on display. You can check the features and benefits of all of them. But not only that, they deal and have available saunas, uh, they have uh, units that you can have outdoor fireplaces, uh, uh, propane units that can warm up your deck. They've got so many options. So please get out to Duluth Stove and Fireplace. They're located on the corner of what, Matt? Uh, we're on the corner of 27th Avenue West and Michigan Street. And right. we're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 6, and Saturday, 9 to 4. It can be reached at uh, DuluthStove.com or 727-9002. 727-9002. And if you want to donate hats and gloves to the Christmas dinner at the VFW for people uh, that might need to be a little warmer in the winter, you can do that as well at Matt's uh, store. Uh, just uh, buy an extra few pairs of hats and gloves, any kind, any shape, any color, and just drop them off and say, uh, hey, Matt, would you make sure they get these at the VFW? And Matt will do that. Yeah, absolutely. We've got our, our, our mitten tree, and, of course, we do that around that Builders Association Christmas party, but they don't have to attend that to bring mittens and drop them off anytime. Uh, I think we want to focus on adult sizes more than kids, yep. but uh, yep. if we do get extra kids mittens and i bring them over the salvation army so uh it's all good yep all right matt thank you so much uh duluth stove and fireplace a great place to go so guys uh peter mark and clark we were uh we were talking a little bit about how this program has uh you know, started off kind of in its infancy, and I, I think it's like so many programs. You really don't know the direction it's going to take until you've tried a couple of different things. But, uh, Peter, mm-hmm. talk about from a logging standpoint how this program affects you. When you go into an area, now you log, I would assume you probably log a variety of different parcels of land, some privately held by individuals that yep. hire you to come in and log, yep. but you also log on what county land state land yes county and state i just want to say apologize i mentioned three administrations and the computer didn't know what to do here so i think that's what sent into a tither so i won't mention that again sorry listeners about that (laughs) i said i'd stay away from politics and i have but i don't know what happened there but it really had a tailspin but anyway yes we do deal with uh uh the the governments different type of governments and we've gotten to do better business style is the only way to describe it, and that's where Mark and Clark come in. Is something that they have started doing just lately is what we've been doing on the private and the state and the county is where you do job sites and you might have a private right next to it, and you'll work with that private landowner as well. And you'll, and a lot of times you could buy both and you do it with separately, but at the same time you cut them both as the same. And that's where these guys could explain real good what has just not very old, but what's called a good neighbor policy, what what they're doing. And I'd like to have them explain it where it it does work excellent. 
All right. Yeah. Who are we going to start with? Uh, this is Mark. I'll, I'll start okay. off here. Uh, yeah, the Good Neighbor Authority, it's, uh, it's something relatively new. It was a pilot project that uh, started out west in Colorado, I believe, and then um, it became permanent uh, two years ago, I believe. So Minnesota had started uh, with uh, yeah, its, uh, Good Neighbor Authorities between the National Forest and the state and the State Department of Natural Resources. Uh, Wisconsin went into it uh, pretty big time. They they do about 25 million board feet uh, through the Good Neighbor Authority. Um, in Minnesota here, the Superior National Forest uh, chose to start off with a smaller pilot project. Um, so this year, we're up to about uh, 6 to 8 million board feet, and, and we're looking to grow in the future. And what that uh, good neighbor is, is uh, the state is allowed to do management on federal land. Of course, they have to follow all the, the federal policies, the NEPA, uh, National Environmental Policy Act, and all that environmental stuff. Okay. But the, um, the state will actually go out there, and they'll lay out the timber sale. They'll administer the timber sale. They sell the timber sale during a regular auctions. And, and what the benefit there is, is that uh, it's uh, kind of like what Peter said, is you can get two groups working together. Um, uh, two agencies in this case, and the efficiencies there are uh, are very good for. Uh, it's a good benefit for the taxpayers with the efficiency. You have one agency doing a, a chunk of land instead of having two agencies go in there and doing the same thing. So uh, you got that efficiency of scale there, and and uh, it uh, we're really looking to grow the program. Our forest supervisor Connie Cummins is really on board, as, as is the um, the state forester Forest Bow is also on board with this. So yeah, we're looking for uh, to to grow this with our partners. Um, hopefully, the counties will uh, um, be able to get on board here soon, and we could start managing in in what we like to say an all-lands approach so we're not doing this piecemeal sure. thing. So it's just a, a real good, it's a great benefit for the public and uh, and for the resource out there. Uh, it uh, just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I well, think it's Mark. beneficial for the uh, for the landscape as a whole. And, and then, you know, from the business aspect, it's, it's going to bring, you know, more dollars um, back into that resource because those are those dollars aren't being spent on duplicated efforts. Oh yeah. Well, guys, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit because w- the way I visualize this is that uh, you know, Clark, you talked about the fact that you're you uh, d- you're kind of a uh, you write the contracts. You uh, you're a contract officer. So what happens is when you write a contract on a parcel of land that's going to be logged, is that where you then try to come into an agreement on this uh, good neighbor program at that time? Well, with the good neighbor, basically, like we have a, a parcel of land that, that's kind of being worked on in that program right now where the Fed, Federal Forest Service owns 600 acres and then there's 300 acres of state land adjacent oh, okay, to it. I see. And so the idea is rather than us sending a cruiser in, you know, to mark the timber and all that, and then the state doing the same thing and having two different sales being administered by two different inspectors and all that, you know, we can combine all that effort, reduce those administrative costs, and then the logging community, they only have to mobilize one time for one sale, and that gets that timber into market, into industry in a more efficient manner, and then it gets those timber revenue dollars you know, back into the agencies that can put them into the landscape and, you know, do the site prep and the planting. Guys, guys, I think what I hear here is government agencies working together for the benefit of all. Yep, bingo. That's unique. That's unique. Yeah, yeah. It's quite something, is because when they were explaining it the first time, I thought, wow, this is fantastic because they're getting more streamlined. From a logger standpoint, if you can come on to a federal sale and a state sale, and get both of them. And instead of being yeah. uh, even a 400-acre sale and a 200-acre sale, now you got a six- or a 1,000-acre sale. That's huge because now yeah. instead of having two mobilizations and having to deal with two different parties, you deal with one, you do the whole thing as one, like it's one big pri- – it's not private, but like you do it like it's one big private. From a larger yeah. standpoint, that's that's excellent because you become more efficient. If you're more efficient, the more efficient you can be – the more encouraging it is for the next generation to look at it like, yeah, yeah I want to do this too. If if you always see success, well, this is part of being successful, oh, is, yeah. is more efficient, going better. 
and your next generation will look at it as well as saying, you know, maybe I would like to do this because if it's profitable and you have nice things, what's wrong with that? Well, and if it's easy to work with, look, guys, I want you to hold your fire a little bit. we got to take our news break. I don't want to get too far behind, but uh, we'll be back to you in just a minute or two after the local news, and we'll come back with our logging segment here. Peter Woods and his guests, Mark and Clark, who are here with the uh, uh, different agencies to talk a little bit about logging as well. So we'll be right back. The thing about News Radio. I'm Lillian Wu. Today's show host Matt Lauer fired by NBC after allegations of sexual misconduct. Colleagues like Megan Kelly speaking out. This one does hit close to home. I too have known Matt for a long time, and he has been a friend and kind and supportive to me in my transition to NBC News. Kelly adding, while she does see the anguish on her coworkers' faces, we don't see the career opportunities women lose because of sexual harassment or the intense stress it causes a woman dealing with it when she comes to work each day. The New York Post reporting Lauer allegedly sexually assaulted an NBC staffer during the Sochi Winter Olympics in 2014. President Trump has promised to handle the situation with North Korea over its latest missile launch, tweeting this morning he'd just spoken to China's president and that additional major sanctions will be imposed on North Korea today. Fox News, we report, you decide. Winter is coming this year. Don't gamble on old man winter. Replace those drafty windows with Les Grumdahl window and siding. Protect yourself and your home from winter by installing new windows with their exclusive Winter Guard package featuring the best high-performance glass to keep the heat in your home, not out of your home. Spray foam insulation to keep the drafts out and custom exterior cladding to give your home a fresh new look for years to come. Act now to save 30% off the installation price of Every window, Les Grumdahl window and siding features Infinity from Marvin, Plygem Premium, and Tri-Built. Call them today at 218-728-3060 for a free in-home estimate. That's 218-728-3060 or visit Les Grumdahl showroom at 1626 London Road. Les Grumdahl window and siding has been serving the Northland for over 70 years. Don't wait until next year. Get that new look and start saving on energy costs today with Les Grumdahl window and siding. Tis the season for entertaining, and TJ's Country Corner has the tastiest meats around. Kiska, Silta, and many types of potato sausage, including Swedish, Michigan, and wild rice. Plus the tastiest homemade wieners. For over 40 years, TJ's in Mattawa has been making the best sausages around with no fillers. At TJ's, they say our worst is best. You better believe it. TJ's Country Corner, online at ourworstisbest.com, or stop in seven days a week just off I-35 in Mattawa. TJ's Country Corner, the international union of Operating Engineers Local 49 provides state-of-the-art training for Minnesota's hardworking middle-class workers. Local 49ers are helping to build the future of northern Minnesota one job site at a time. As part of the long tradition of hard work in the north, our members are building roads and bridges, mining, and support those in the timber industry. We know what a hard day's work really means. We believe in partnering with employers across the state to provide them with a competitive advantage by ensuring our members are well-trained, hard-working professionals. 49ers receive training at our state of the training center with a commitment to providing ongoing training members of local 49 can build new skills over their careers that allow them to explore new and exciting jobs across the state with access to robust health and retirement benefits most important of all we keep workers safe through our training and partnership with employers we put the safety of our members first every single day members of local 49 can take pride in their work and all that it does to shape the infrastructure of minnesota learn how you can become a part of local 49 by visiting local49.org Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth, 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. Whether they take you to the rack, Murphy for Minnesota, gets in, put back Jordan Murphy. Or dial it up from three. McGuire, another three in the air. Got it again. Whether they run a set play or streak ahead on the fast break, we've got all the action right here on the Gophers Sports Network from Learfield. It's the Gophers against Miami. Wednesday evening, pregame starting at 7.30. I'm Mike Grimm, reminding you our next broadcast of Gopher Basketball will be heard on AM 970. WTSM Weather Update. 
I'm meteorologist Colin Oraskovich with CBS3 Duluth. Sunny and mild today, a high temperature around 35 degrees, just a few clouds overhead, and winds out of the south at 10 to 15 miles an hour, gusting towards 20 this afternoon. Winds transition out of the west, but stay strong 10 to 20 miles an hour overnight with a low of 30, and tomorrow 35 degrees under partly cloudy skies. With CBS3, I'm Colin Oraskovich for 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Giant Redwood, Larch, the Fir! The mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees. I have, uh, I have accused Peter for many, many months of being the voice in that song. <laughs> but, I, but I guess it's just not true. I don't think I can sing that good. <laughs> I just can't. Hey, Peter, we, uh, I still uh, laugh. Pe- I know. Peter, we still have a few minutes left in this segment, uh, sure. so I, I'd like you and Mark and Clark to talk a little bit about anything else you uh, you guys want to talk about uh, that can help us get a little more of an understanding about how uh, these agencies, the state, the federal government, and independent independent loggers like yourself, how you all yep. work together. Yeah, it's 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 getting better and better all the time working with uh, the land agencies and what they have. We were talking about off the air a little bit was um, how if you don't harvest it or mechanically do it or prescribe burn, it, it, the forest kind of goes stagnant. And and um, we we want to keep utilizing the trees as much as possible before the end users and that's everybody that listens to our voices. Everybody in the world uses our end product constantly. And like out west, where everybody can relate, where those forest fires go through, it's quite unique how some of the things take place out there. But that's oh, yeah. when that happens out there, we're we're a long ways away from. But you can still know that it can happen here. And for instance, like up the Gunflint, where people can go look, is where there was a fire, and now you go there. Is it Mark or Clark who want to handle that one about uh, how what really took place up there and what it looks like today? Yeah, well, there's been. Uh Several fires up in that area here over the last uh, 35, 40 years. I think the one that most everyone remember probably is the Ham Lake fire. That's uh, probably the biggest right. one. And um, it uh, it caused some uh, damage. Some buildings were burned. Homes were burned. And, uh, and uh, I think the takeaway there is... Um, um, this this forest here is basically... Uh, it's uh, ecosystem is based on what they call a disturbance regime... So in order to keep a resilient, healthy forest, there has to be some type of disturbance. And that disturbance comes in either uh, fire or some kind of mechanical type of treatment, which would be logging or uh, mechanical fuels right. reduction. And if you don't do it mechanically through logging or the fuels reduction or prescribed burn, you, you can end up with these uh, catastrophic wildfires. And uh, we certainly want to avoid that um, we want to see fire back on the landscape because that's a natural occurrence, but we we need to have that in a in a controlled environment and and through harvesting and uh, mechanical fuels reduction and prescribed burning, we could do that. Uh, there's a old forester that uh, used to say that uh, um, nobody's ever lost a house with an escaped timber sale. Yeah, so you can't really say that with a with a catastrophic wildfire. Well, exactly. And guys, maybe as a last way to, to end up the segment uh, today, if I could ask all of you just in a general way, ha- have we learned over the years as a society that sometimes it's better to manage uh, even catastrophes? For example, the, the big blowdown that happened years and years ago up in the BWCA, on the Canadian side, they went in and logged the down trees, got them out of the way. Uh, created an environment that that brought less fires later on, where on the American side, we kind of thought we'd let nature take its own way. And what ended up was things like the Ham Lake Fire, other, other fires that came into that region. Are we a little more accepting now that sometimes you have to manage for proper forest control? Uh, by that, I mean maybe even having... Uh, logging roads or fire control roads where you can get to areas that burn? 
Yeah, uh, in some respects, we certainly are. Uh, the big blowdown that occurred in 1999, you know, most of that occurred inside the, the Bondi Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, which, of course, has its own uh, set of rules and regulations. And, yep. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a great effort outside of that wilderness area to, to salvage all that timber, and, and a lot of that did occur. I worked on a lot of that personally myself. Um, the issue with being inside of the wilderness, of course, that would take time and has to have some legislative uh, action occur. And there were no logging roads in um, there, so that's a, that would be another huge cost. Uh, uh, and then uh, another consideration, too, is the capacity of the timber industry around here to be able to absorb all that timber in a, in a timely fashion to be able to use that. Well, that's the other thing. You're absolutely right, guys, is that you've got to have a market for, for that product, and we haven't always had that available to us. No, it hasn't always been. And the thing, another thing about the BWCA, it's farther up, and you as you get into one area, Ely is kind of get, it's the end of the road out there. So when yeah. you get farther and farther to get other loggers in there, it gets more expensive to do that. So it and the markets are farther. No matter which way you go, they're, they're a bit of a trip. It all can be done. It just financially can it be done. And But it would take, I think, an act of Congress and the president signing it to actually do anything in there is what I truly believe. Well, I, I was referring more to – I recently read a story in one of my publications that I get on uh, – on Colorado, where they've had a lot of wildfires and things out in that area, and they have started doing more containment roads where they can get uh, where they can get uh, crews back into areas to fight the fires without having to use airplanes, without having to use airdrops. And it uh, it appears like at first blush, like it's the studies that they've done on it. Uh, the state thinks it's an economical better proposition. Well, one thing I would like to mention with the uh, blowdown, you know, with this new stewardship contracting tool, we had a blowdown recently, and uh, it took place around the Fenske Lake campground, and we had a stewardship contractor that was able to come in and salvage that timber and, and get that campground back open for the public to use and get that oh, hazardous fuel removed. You know, because of this new authority with the stewardship, and this is why we want to take this forest wide and, and really run with it, is because we can take revenue from a different timber sale and we can use that revenue because that, that timber is difficult to harvest. And, you know, we couldn't do a timber sale and have somebody bid on it because it wouldn't be worth it to them. But we, what we can do is we can sell the timber and then we can use that revenue from another timber sale to make up that difference so that it becomes profitable for that logging operator to come in, get that timber out of there, get it to industry, and get that campground open and functional for the public to use. That That's, uh, boy, to the layman listening like myself, that sounds like a wonderful uh, outcome to some of these that, that can end up to be a disaster. Peter, I, I would like to uh, thank you and your guests again today. Th this segment on our show, once a month, we we have Peter Wood come in with his guests on the last Wednesday of the month. Today it happens to be the 29th of November. Now, in, uh, in December, I believe we're going to be doing it on the 27th. So that will be the 27th of December. And uh, Peter, thank you for bringing uh, Mark and Clark with you today. It's thank been you very, very interesting. Much. Do appreciate thank you. it. Very right. interesting. Thank you. All right. We've got to take our last break of the morning, Kenny, of, of this segment, I should say. And then we'll come back and wrap up our number two on Sound Off here on 710, as well as 98.1 FM. We'll be right back. You're sounding off with Brad Bennett. Coming up at 11, keep yourself one step ahead with Rush Limbaugh. 710 WDSM. Now this news update on Wisconsin Radio Network. I'm Bill Wise. The state budget provision that created a lifetime teaching license in Wisconsin was intended to make it easier for educators, but it may be having the opposite effect. Department of Public Instruction spokesman Tom McCarthy says because of the way it was written, license certifications require school board approval, which only exists in public schools. If you're in a private school, if you're an employee of the Department of Public Instruction, if you work for a CISA, if you work for the residential schools, the School for the Blind and the School for the Deaf, you are out of luck. 
That means any teacher not currently in a public school may no longer be able to get a license. The numbers are in for the nine-day gun deer season, and hunters bounce back from a slower opening weekend. The state says nearly 196,000 deer were harvested, which is down 0.8% from last year. Kevin Wallenfang is with the DNR. We had some kind of rough weather on the opening day, but the harvest every day after that improved over the 2016 numbers. So, yeah, they got out there, they got after it, and they shot a lot of nice deer. This is news on Wisconsin Radio Network. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, okay. the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What's the best gift Senator Ron Johnson can give Wisconsinites this holiday season? The gift of tax relief. Each year, it gets harder for Wisconsin small businesses and families to make ends meet. And our outdated tax code is partially to blame. But help is on the way with the tax reform bill that is currently being debated in the U.S. Senate. According to a recent nonpartisan study, the Senate tax bill could increase take-home pay for middle-class families in Wisconsin by more than $2,000. That's right. The tax reform bill could mean an extra $2,632 in the pockets of Wisconsin families. But first, it has to become law. So call Senator Ron Johnson at 920-230-7250. Thank him for being a champion of middle-class families and ask him to support the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. The time for reform is now. Paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. From Wisconsin Radio Network Sports, this is the Town Report. Now with the latest from Lambeau, here's Bill Scott. Aaron Rodgers could return to practice at the end of this week. He's eligible to do so on Friday, but the Packers don't practice that day, so it might have to wait until Saturday. Packers coach Mike McCarthy said we'll see when asked if Rodgers would take the field. I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, think about it. I mean, he's you're on a rehab process and the ability to throw in an opponent's stadium. Everything that they're doing is is calculated uh, between you know the, the training room, strength conditioning room, and, and Aaron. I mean, as, as you would imagine, he's uh, going at it 120 miles an hour, and you know, so far, so good. Rodgers can't return to game action until December 17th at Carolina. Whether or not the Packers still have anything to play for at that time remains to be seen. I'll have more from Titletown after this. Mr. Detweiler, we're all finished. What? Your knee replacement went great, and it's all because of you. What did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything. Medical history, allergies. You asked us tons of questions. Huh. I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? We couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons with more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Looking for the latest updates from the Capitol? Want to catch up on local stories? Or how about the details from last night's game? No need to shop around for the best in Wisconsin news. Wisconsin Radio Network is the one-stop shop for everything happening in the Badger State. Listen to this Wisconsin Radio Network station for hourly updates on the stories that matter to you. And visit wisconsinradionetwork.com 24-7 to check out events happening across the state. We've got everything from legislature developments to Big Ten updates, even staff files and news archives. Your state, your news, Wisconsin Radio Network. At five and six, the Packers are under 500 for the first time since they were at the same mark last season. But there's no Aaron Rodgers this time, at least not for two more games. So where does that leave the Packers as they try to stay in the playoff picture? Six losses. I mean, it is what it is. You can sit there and you can jump around and look at schedules and all that. And I'm sure that's fun for the fans and all the potential scenarios and all that. But at the end of the day, if you don't get the 10 wins, to me, there's nothing else to talk about. So uh, we're at five. We got to get to six. And that's, that's what really it's all about. Mike McCarthy's Packers back in the practice field today they'll host tampa bay at lambeau field on sunday i'm bill scott more from title town tomorrow on the wisconsin radio network 
house blend. People got to wake up. This is a wake-up call. Dark roast. I'm very bitter. Bitter, gun-toying people. Or double latte. To be strong in our beliefs. Do you have any strong opinions? <laughs> News of the day. How do you take it? Today with steam coming out of my ears. Stimulating information. Invigorating conversation. The Wake Up Call with Neil Atkins. Wake up and start getting it. Weekday mornings at 7 on 710 WDSM. WDSM on AM 710 and now on FM 98.1. Don't leave me on Yeah, name that artist, Bradley. Well, that would be uh, Marvin Gaye. No. A good guess, wrong answer. You won't get this one. Nobody would get this. Brenton Wood. Wow. Yeah, following Pete Wood and the Loggers. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. You know, um, give me an update, because I I heard... It's interesting how a conservative group in Wisconsin has start, started to really put pressure on Senator Ron Johnson to support the tax bill. Well, guess what? It happened. <laughs> Last night or yesterday in uh, in the Senate, the Senate Budget Committee, which Senator Ron Johnson is a member of, had to pass forward the Senate Budget Recommendation, the Senate Tax a cut recommendation and it passed on a straight party line vote 12 republicans voted in favor of the measure 11 democrats voted against it and including including senator ron johnson from the great state of wisconsin voted in favor of the bill he had indicated that he might vote against it so evidently he is uh, he has been uh, led to believe or been assured somehow that there will be uh, coverage in this bill for what they call the pass-through provision, which is the, uh, that's the portion of the bill that covers small businesses where they use their own uh, uh, payrolls to, d- to do their taxes. Yeah, you uh, see, words, uh, Donald it. Trump called him into a meeting. And when yeah. he got in there, it was just him and Donald. And Donald went up to uh, Senator Johnson, grabbed him by the sideburns, and started tugging and said, now this is how you're going to vote, right? Yes, yes, oh, let's go. Yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I promise. <laughs> no, I'm sure it was a, a, a good a couple of uh, men getting together and saying, look, uh, President Trump, uh, you know, I want to support this bill, but I need a little more assurance that we're going to get some help for small business. And uh, President Trump probably said, you know what, Senator, I think we can make that happen. Well, because the same thing happened with Senator Bob Corker. Bob Corker uh, said that he was assured minutes before the vote that there would be a trigger in the final legislation that would increase taxes if revenues fall short of the projections that they that they have in the bill. In other words, if we start going heavier and heavier into a deficit mode, there would be a provision in there that would increase taxes to cover up some of those lost revenues. So I, I think you're seeing a lot of, uh, oh, how do we, uh, what's the proper terminology we should use here? There's a lot of arm twisting and a lot of, I'll give you this if you give me this, that's happening. But it looks like we are getting closer and closer to that issue that they talked about in the ad where, taxpayers may actually see a couple of thousand dollars more going into their pocket instead of into the federal government's pocket. We've got uh, we've got Fred on the line from over in Lake Nebagaman area. Fred, good morning to you. Good morning there, Brad. How you been? How you doing? I've been okay. I, that's good to hear. You're sounding great. Thank you. I love your sense of humor. <laughs> I wanted Thanks. to call and tell you Merry Christmas before uh, somebody cuts me off. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? There ain't nobody going to cut you off on this show. We we would very affectionately say Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah. How long you been at that show, Brad? 
uh, I want to say 18 years, going on 19 probably. Holy cow. I know, I isn't it? Every year. <laughs> and I, I well, saw you the other day and you don't have a gray hair in your head. How do you do that? No. Well, you know, it's a clean life, good living. My wife's cooking and and uh, something called brown dye. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brad, I just enjoy your show, and I haven't called in a long time. And just Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you very much, Fred. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. I appreciate the nice, kind words. Uh, Kenny, one last thing, and I know we're uh, getting short on time here. Uh, we've only got a minute or two left. I, w- I want to just wrap up my tirade earlier about the fact that we have a school superintendent, Superintendent Gronseth. By the way, let me give you a little history on Superintendent Gronseth. Superintendent Gronseth grew up on the west side of town. He grew up as a student out in the Morgan Park area of our of our great fair city, went to Denfeld High School, uh, then went to college. Perhaps he's, I don't know, perhaps he didn't know anybody uh, on the west side of town that uh, that were friends of his that had parents that were low-income parents. Maybe that's why, or maybe he's just lost sight of of his roots, where he came from, because his community was loaded with kids that uh, came from households that had uh, struggling times. Uh, I knew uh, I I know a guy to this very day who his parents would send him off uh, every day in the middle of the summer would send him off with a with a package of graham crackers or Ritz crackers and that's all he would get. He didn't. He wasn't told to come home for lunch. He was told, "Hey, this is all I can give you. Here's some crackers. Go off and play, and don't come home until nighttime." Well, Senator or Superintendent Gronseth now, of course, lives in Hermantown. His kids go to school there. What? Maybe he's just yeah. He Maybe lives in Hermantown, and his kids yeah. go to Hermantown School. Yes. Oh come on! And and his wife works for the Duluth School District, but lives in Hermantown as well, and is a member of the school board in Hermantown. That's criminal, so man. Know. Come on. Maybe maybe they've just lost sight of the importance. But here, again, let me state, and, and I want to wrap it all up with the quote from John Grum, K. Uh, Crumb, K-R-U-M-M. And John, you ought to get an award for having your eyes wide open and being able to see the big picture. He said, I live on the east side of Duluth. And the issue seems to me one very simple. The west side is paying for part of our cake. The money should be for students who struggle the most. East Duluth should not get 400% of the compensatory education funding that comes in as opposed to Denfeld getting 80%. We have a district that gets economic discrimination. We'll be back. Green Bay Packers football on 98.1 K226BFFM at 710 WDSM Superior Duluth, a Midwest Communications Station.